Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. In this podcast, I'm talking to Diane Manny. I've known Diane for about a decade now. She's one of my favorite people who I've worked with, despite the fact that Diane's Welsh and I'm English. But of course, we're now both Canadian. Uh, Diane's a social worker by training. For many years, she was the head of the psychosocial oncology program at the Ottawa Hospital. And now Diane's really a pioneer in providing support and counseling, specifically in the lung cancer field. So Diane, welcome to the LCC podcast. Thank you. So you've pioneered a support group for patients with lung cancer, which is now really going going strong. Can you tell us about it? Yes. Well, for me, support groups are really a, a, a really positive uh, thing to do with patients. When we thought about this idea, uh, the statistics showed that there were more women with lung cancer than men. And traditionally, women have attended support groups and we thought this might be a good idea. We started with six people um, for a six-week group, and out of that has grown a once-a-month group that has now got as large as 22 people some months, but normally about 15 people attend. And what are the sort of range of issues that you're seeing patients and caregivers looking for or coming up as topics in the support group? Usually people are trying to find ways of coping. Also, they're finding themselves isolated at times and really want to know how other people are managing. Um, It can be many things. Some people are interested in advocacy and some people really want to come for support. Many people feel that they don't have many people to speak to that understand what they're going through. Uh, Some people have come and they have cried for the first time about their diagnosis because it feels like a safe environment and people understand. And I think that primarily is why people come. But a range of things happen. We talk about loss. Often in families, um, we do a bit of a dance of protection around each other and don't always speak our minds. So, but at group, people can come and feel they can speak their minds. Are there any topics that you wouldn't talk about? If a topic comes forward and everybody in the group is interested in in it, we would see if people were interested in discussing it. If it was a topic that just focused on one person, um, that might be sort of an offline discussion. But I can't think of anything that wouldn't be uh, discussed at a group if the group wanted to discuss it. So no taboo No taboo, no taboo. If people want to discuss um, end of life, made, the use of uh, cannabis oil, it it has been discussed. Okay. (laughs) Now, people listening to this might think, like a support group for cancer patients, that's important, but it's hardly a novel idea. But my understanding is that for lung cancer, this is quite novel. Is, is that right? Well, it, it might have been offered to just the general cancer population, but often 
people with lung cancer felt that they didn't fit. Often they were very sick, and often if they had in the past been smokers, they felt judged and stigmatized. So they didn't always um, come forward and ask for support. So now that's changed. That's changed. Um, people are living longer, the treatments are different, and people are finding out about this support and realizing it's for them. Right, and actually on this podcast series, we've interviewed a couple of members of the support group who uh, had different types of treatments, but really speak to what you just said, that have really mm. done, it, done and continue to do extremely well. Yeah. So, so given that comment that you made about you know, people, people are often sick with lung cancer, uh, they maybe feel stigmatized or judged, was it difficult to get the support group started? I'm thinking if listeners in might want to look to start something in their area. Initially it was. We really had to uh, market and talk up uh, the group. Um, but once we had one or two people coming who told their friends, things moved along quickly. Um, and what's happened now, members of the group have decided to raise awareness and they go into the cancer center a couple of times a month and talk about Lung Cancer Canada as well as the group. And they're the face of the patients who come to group. Um, they're friendly, they look well, and uh, they're encouraging. And um, that's been a huge boon to the group. And many people have joined because of that. Could you think maybe of a, a story or share a story with us where the group has been really important, been a, sort of a very effective? Um, One of the things that's happened is that people support each other. I think that's the biggest thing. People, If people are hospitalized, they will be visited by other members. If they can't get a ride to a group, someone will drive them. If, um, if they need guidance on a, a treatment, there are people there to ask. Um, so it feels like people have this bond in common, which they share. And I think even dealing with some sad times like losses, and we have had losses in the group, people are there to support each other. And that's been the biggest thing. It's been the support and also the ideas that people have come up with around advocacy and awareness, they've sort of almost thrived on each other with their ideas, their creativity. And if one person seems to have a good idea, then a number of other people will say, I'll help with that, I'll do that, um, which maybe they wouldn't have done before. And there's a different energy to people. There's an energy that comes together when people are in a group like that. You mentioned you'd had some losses in yes. the group. Has that been, I imagine that would be very discouraging for other members of the group, but maybe it hasn't. Maybe it's been a place where people can support each other. It's a place where people can support each other. With the diagnosis of lung cancer, no one hasn't thought about death. It's it's a reality that they 
have lived with and think about. So um, with this, the group, people can come together. They even go to have been to each other's funerals. So it's, uh, it's, it's sort of taken some of the fear away, I think. And also people have advised each other on palliative care. Maybe there has been some fear around palliative care, uh, around symptom management. And one person will come back and say, well, I want to see a palliative care physician, and they've actually helped me with my breathing. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I should go. It's been the same with going to see a psychiatrist. People maybe thought psychiatry wasn't for them, but many people have found psychiatrists at the Cancer Center very helpful. So it sort of, again, reduced the fear about certain um, physicians and groups of physicians like palliative care and psychiatry. So um, that's, I think that's been helpful. That's interesting you say that because I'm thinking now when I'm speaking to some of my colleagues or uh, teaching residents and sometimes they will tell me that they are not wanting to bring up some kind of topic because it might be distressing. But when you said that Please. actually probably everybody's already Everybody thought about it thought anyway. about it. Yeah. When people get a diagnosis of, of lung cancer, their mind jumps to the worst case first. And then it's working back from there. So really, nothing can be said that people haven't usually thought of before. So thank you for telling us about the the group there. But now I know that you're also involved in an online support group. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? I work with Cancer Chat Canada. This platform has been around for a few years, and it's managed now by the D'Souza Institute out of Toronto. Um, and there are a group of counsellors across the country, uh, psychologists, social workers who've all worked in cancer centres who facilitate online groups. It's all text, um, and through some funding through Lung Cancer Canada, we've, we've been able to offer specific lung cancer groups, and that's, that's also been very successful. The one thing that people have in common is their diagnosis, um, but also many of the people are quite isolated. They're in northern Ontario, they're in northern BC, they're in New Brunswick. So we're we're online at the same time, um, but we may have people from Victoria to Newfoundland all online at the same time. And the commonalities are amazing. So uh, well, apart from the obvious difference of online versus in person and the, the things you've described, um, it, it sounds like there would be challenges, though, with, uh, you know, there is different access to treatments or testing or services in these different areas. And some of that comes up. Some of that does come up. How do you deal with that? Um, we encourage people to advocate for themselves in the system that they're in. Um, but it tends to be most of the time it's about the support and other people have maybe tried other groups and find it really helpful that they don't have to explain some of the things that they're feeling or some of the things that are, are going on. So, yes, there can be some differences, um, but usually 
we find a way to work with that. Uh, and really it's around encouraging people to speak up when they need to speak up and not being afraid to do so. So if there are people listening to this, Diane, who um, don't have access to a support group and don't really want to go online, mm. where would you suggest people turn to for support if they're feeling that they need it? I think the first place you, you turn to is your, the cancer center that you have your treatment in and see what the services are there. And there are usually social workers and some support staff in every uh, cancer center. And usually they will have the information even if they don't run uh, groups. Um, that's the first place. Often in many um, uh, centers, uh, especially big cities, of course, you have places like Wellspring, you have Gilders Club. Uh, in Ottawa, we have Maplesoft. So there, are, there can be other services being offered. And if those aren't available, um, there are also individual counsellors in the community. And if you have insurance or you're part of an EAP program, it's, it's wise to check that out as well because... Uh, people can be there for you. It's it's just, but often people feel reluctant about reaching out for some for, for support because in some ways they think maybe, well, I'm not doing well if I do that. But in fact, it's you are doing well. You you see a need and you're trying to get it met. You're making sure that you remain independent. That you've got all the information that you need. And you've got the support that you need because much as we love our families and they try to be there for us, when something like that happens, they're in distress with the patient. So sometimes things get brushed under the carpet. So it's a, it's, it's a safe place to come. So you're saying asking for help is a sign of wisdom, not Absolutely. a sign of weakness. Absolutely. So if there are people who are listening to this who would like to join a group or even start a group in their area, mm. what advice would you give them? Again, first of all, start with your cancer center to see what's on offer, but also get in touch with Lung Cancer Canada to see potentially how they can help in um, advocating for a group and um, making sure that something is put in place um, because often a group with multiple disease sites just doesn't fit what people need. You're kind of throwing me a pitch there to hit because uh, <laughs> so Lung Cancer Canada does have resources to support uh, support groups and funding yeah. and um, we can really take this model that Diane you've led mm. in Ottawa and um, really look to replicate that in a local context in really anywhere in the country that might want to, to do this. And I think, too, if people feel they need some training um, in um, getting groups off the ground, um, we can look at that as well. Great. Well, Diane, thank you very much for all the work you're doing and for, for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you again for joining us. Lung Cancer Voices was made possible in part by a generous donation from Marielle and Nick Burris. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan 
and on Twitter at lungcancer underscore can. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.